0: Blog talk Radio
1: Good evening everyone and welcome to the show. I'm Melissa Studdard and this is Teferit Talk, the Blog Talk Radio Show for Teferit, a journal of spiritual literature, where our goal is to promote peace in the individual and in the world through writing. We're so happy that you've joined us tonight, and we invite you to also join our online community at www.taferretjournal.com, where you can interact with other members, read their writings, post your own writings, and subscribe to the journal. We'd like to let you know as well that our blog talk chat room is currently open if you would like to chat with other listeners or suggest questions. Our interview tonight is with the dazzling literary talent, Chitra Banerjee Devakaruni. Karuni is an award-winning author, poet, and teacher whose works have been translated into 29 languages. She writes for both adults and children and covers many themes, including women, immigration, the South Asian experience, history, myth, magical realism, and diversity. Two of her novels, The Mistress of Spices, and Sister of My Heart, have been made into films. Her short story collection, Arranged Marriage, won an American Book Award. Steva Karuni teaches in the illustrious creative writing program at the University of Houston. Of her novel, One Amazing Thing, Hodgin states, Ingeniously conceived and intelligently written, this novel is a fable for our time. The characters vibrate with life whenever they begin to speak. Welcome, Chitra. How are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you, Melissa.
1: Uh, it's so wonderful to be talking with you. Um, I'd love to jump in with a question about one amazing thing. Um, I noticed that it's a frame narrative and it's got tales upon tales upon tales that really, to me, do no less than affirm the importance of storytelling for our human condition. And um, Of course, I know what this means to me, but were you talking about your own views on the importance of storytelling and how these ideals manifest in the novel?
0: Well, Melissa, you're absolutely right. Storytelling is a major theme in One Amazing Thing. Um, As you know, the story takes place in an Indian visa office. So it's set in the United States, a group of people have gone into the Indian visa office to get visas. They all want to go to India for different reasons. Mostly they don't know each other except for a couple of people who've come with family members. And as they're waiting for their uh, visas to be processed, they're waiting in the basement of this high-rise building and a major earthquake strikes. And now they're trapped in this building. They're in fear of their lives. Electricity has gone off. The phones are gone. Um, they really think that they might be about to die. And so they panic. And as they panic and they turn on each other, the situation becomes even worse until one of the characters, Uma, who's a graduate student, says, we've got to use our time better than this. Let's tell each other a story out of our lives that we haven't told anyone. And as they reluctantly begin to share these stories, Um, something magical begins to happen. And this group of changers who really didn't care about each other, who really wanted to survive no matter what happened to the others, begin to become a community. So one amazing thing is definitely about the power of storytelling to bring us together as human beings, to bring us together as You know, the human race, no matter what kind of cultural background we come from or what kind of socioeconomic background or racial background we come from, storytelling is something that goes back into really the mists of time into the most primitive societies, the very primal societies where storytelling was the first entertainment. And it still remains a very powerful way of bringing us together and, of course, of sharing what is important in our lives that sometimes we can't tell people without the vehicle of these stories.
1: Wow, thank you. And, you know, one of the things that, that I noticed that I think you kind of touched on in your answer there is that the as the characters heard each other's stories and began to understand each other, it really grew their compassion between each other in a way that I, it just feels like it wouldn't have ever happened without those stories. That's right. right.
0: And sometimes when, uh, you know, they were even like family members, like there's a husband and wife pair uh, in One Amazing Thing, Mr. and Mrs. Pritchett. And in the beginning of the book, you can see that they're having severe marital problems. They can't even talk to each other. And, in fact, it is only through their stories, telling their stories, they're able to bring out some of what has hurt them so much in the past and what has made them the people they are. And through their sharing of their stories, we understand them and we understand their actions. And their spouse understands, too. It's the first time when the the spouse understands something about the Uh storytelling.
1: That's so true, and um, you know, it's interesting because in One Amazing Thing, they're sharing stories mostly about themselves, but then in Sister My Heart, I was also really touched by the importance of storytelling in that as well, when one of the the sisters, or or cousins, cousin sisters, tells the other one a story that is kind of made up, but it's kind of about their life, and it's just... Really almost lifts her out of the deathbed of her severe depression, so we see again in that novel the same kind of importance of storytelling is it it's a common theme that
0: runs through your work right. I think that is very true. Uh, storytelling has been a theme in several novels or, and even sometimes in short stories because you know stories, I think, are sometimes how we make sense of our lives. And Mm -hmm. when we look at stories and we look at how people behave in stories, especially I'm particularly attracted to the ancient stories, the myths, the legends, the folk tales, the epics um, of our culture. And, you know, for me, obviously, that's been the Indian culture. And I've been very blessed because I had a grandfather who was a great storyteller. And so I was told these stories when I was, Pretty young and they had an immense effect on my life although it would take me decades before I realized what an effect they had on my life but that's why I think that's one of the reasons why I've taken so many stories from our folk tales and myths and woven them into my own writing
1: well it really adds a sort of magical element to the writing as well I can see that tendency towards folk tales and fables and um, It's just wonderful. So um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, since One Amazing Things concept conveys that we all have at least one amazing thing that's happened in our lives, I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear about your One Amazing Thing, and and do you have something you can share with us?
0: (laughs) Sure. Um, I actually have been blessed to have several amazing things happen in my life, and I have a feeling that Many people have had that experience, too. I'm sure many of our listeners have had amazing things happen in their lives. And One of my hopes in writing the novel, One Amazing Thing, is that it would lead people to explore or to think about the amazing things that have happened in their life and maybe to share them with people who are near and dear to them. So, you know, it, it's been one of the things that has been wonderful is that One Amazing Thing has been chosen as the book for many citywide reads all across America. And Mm. in just about every case, uh, the libraries have run a One Amazing Thing contest where people will bring in their own stories. And some of those stories truly are amazing. Things that have happened to people. And that has just made me so happy to learn about these stories and read these stories and to see kind of, you know, the chain of storytelling continue. So that's been been wonderful. But I think my one amazing thing, one of them happened when um, I was on a pilgrimage trip up in the Himalayas, up in the mountains, and for this particular pilgrimage trip, we had to walk over glaciers for several days and when we were coming down from the shrine of amarnath which is where we had gone um there was a freak like thunderstorm with a lot of rain and um, it started washing away all the paths and you know these big cracks opened up in the glacier and i got separated from my group and it was getting to be dark and i was really scared because I thought I was just going to be lost on the mountain and I would just freeze to death. And mm. this man came out of, literally, he just came from nowhere. And I'd never wow. seen him before. And he said, you know, what's the problem? And I said, I'm kind of lost. I, my group has gone ahead and there's this big, like this big chasm in front of me, this big river, and I don't know how to cross it. So this man said that, well, let's see if we can cross it together. And he he had a walking stick, which he held out to me, and then he pulled me across this you know this kind of raging torrent of a river. And um, then he said, I know where the groups are camping, so you just come with me. And he took me up to my group. And then I said to him, well, my mother was on the same trip, but she had gone ahead with another set of people. So I said, please come and see my mother and we'd like to thank you. And he said, no, 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 it's getting dark. I have to go um, just around the mountain where my group is, my camping group. So I said, okay. And then when I went and told my mother, she said, but early in the morning we must go and thank him and offer him a gift because he saved your life. So we woke up early and we went around the mountain to where he would have been camped and there was no one. There was no group. There was wow. no person. There was no person, <laughs> and I never saw that person again in my life. So uh, that's what an really, amazing story. <laughs> that that was that was really an amazing thing, and that just had such an effect on my life. It really made me think about what a mysterious place this world is, and mm. you know what a mysterious spiritual place this world is, and how we are blessed in unexpected ways and saved in unexpected ways and how, you know, there's there's some kind of benevolent force in the universe that sometimes just comes into our lives.
1: Oh, absolutely, and that's such a beautiful story. And and also what you were talking about before that of being able to elicit these amazing stories out of other people is just an incredible gift as well. So that's just really wonderful. Um, Would you like to read us a passage
0: from One Amazing Thing? Yes, I'd love to do that. I'll read you a little bit from the first chapter where, as I told you, um, this group is waiting, they're waiting for their visas to be processed, they've been waiting for a long time, and one of our characters, Uma, um, and and you know, this book is different from my other books in that every single character, all nine characters in the book, they become protagonists. The story mm-hmm. is told from everyone's point of view, one after the other, because this book is about creating a community, and I yes. wanted all of them to be really important and to come alive, and all of them, to be able to tell their story. But this part is in the point of view of Uma, and she's been waiting all morning, and uh, she figures that she should call her boyfriend, Ramon, on her cell phone and tell him what's happening and that she's been delayed. But when she tries to call him, she's having a hard time getting a signal. So I'm going to read from that part.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: Phone to her ear, Uma took a few steps forward. It felt good to stretch her legs. The phone gave a small burp against her ear, but before she could check if it was working, a rumble rose through the floor. It was as though a giant had placed his mouth against the building's foundation and roared. The floor buckled, throwing Uma to the ground. The giant took the building in both his hands and shook it. A chair flew across the room toward Uma. She raised her left arm to shield herself. The chair crashed into her wrist, and a pain worse than anything she had known surged through her arm. People were screaming. Feet ran by her, then ran back again. She tried to wedge herself beneath one of the chairs, as she had been taught long ago in grade school, but only her head and shoulders would fit. The cell phone was still in her other hand, pressed against her ear. Was that Ramon's voice, asking her to leave a message? Or was it just her need to hear him? Above her, the ceiling collapsed in an explosion of plaster. Beams broke apart with the sound of gigantic bowls snapping. A light fixture shattered. For a moment, before the electricity failed, She saw the glowing filaments of the naked bulb. Rubble fell through the blackness, burying her legs. Her arm was on fire. She cradled it against her chest. A useless gesture, and she would probably die in the next minute. Was that the sound of running water? Was the basement they were in flooding? She thought she heard a beep, the machine ready to record her voice. Ramon, she cried, her mouth full of dust. She thought of his long, meticulous fingers, how they could fix anything she broke. She thought of the small red moles on his chest, just above the left nipple. She wanted to say something important and consoling, something for him to remember her by. But she could think of nothing, and then her phone went dead.
1: Wow, that's so exciting and powerful. Thank you. I know everybody Thank you. wants to know what happens next. <laughs> um, well, I understand that that you have intimate knowledge of how people react to pressure in these kinds of situations from working with Katrina refugees. Did, did that inspire any of the elements of this novel?
0: Definitely, definitely. I think... Um, The two things out of my own experience that inspired this novel was, first, I I was volunteering with Katrina Refugees, and, um, you know, I was just amazed by one thing, which was that pretty much everyone we saw, they were in a similar situation. They'd lost their homes. They'd lost, you know, all their belongings. A lot of people had no access to their money. Um, They had lost sometimes their pets, everything. And some of them were really upset about it and they were just very hard to deal with. And even though they had come for help, they were just very angry with everybody, including us. And some people were just able to handle their tragedy with much more um, grace. They were able to... take things in stride. They were calm. And I began to watch, like, what was different about these people? And it was, you know, some of it was quite mysterious. I'm sure it came from many complicated factors. But one of the things I noticed is that people who could talk about their tragedy um, were able to deal with it a lot better. So if they could create a story out of their tragedy, you know, well, this happened, and then this happened, and then... You know, I was able to get out and then this is what happened on the road and then, you know, the hurricane was getting stronger and this building came down and they created this dramatic story and, you know, they were just able to look at it differently. So it began, it began to strike me that storytelling was a really important part of dealing with tragedy.
1: Wow, just another testament to how important that is. That's amazing. Right,
0: um, right. Well, I, and so uh, so I think that's when I started thinking about, well, you know, storytelling in crisis, I've got to, like, bring it together. And, and then yeah. the other part was when and you, being a Houstonian also, I probably remember when we were being evacuated, and that was just a few weeks after Katrina had um, hit right. New Orleans. <laughs> And so we were all evacuated, and I was stuck. I don't know about you, but I was stuck on Interstate 10 trying to get to San Antonio. And we were stuck for about six hours on that freeway, not advancing like more than a couple of miles. And people started to panic. It was like 2 a.m. Do you remember that? I do. I do. That was really scary. <laughs> it was very scary. And so I had some firsthand experience of how people behaved in a crisis, and, you know, again, there was such a spectrum of behavior. While some people were behaving very badly and getting into fights and arguments with people, others were really trying to help and going around sharing food and water and calming people down and helping the elderly. And so that made me very interested in the crisis situation and how it affects people differently. And I think all of these came together and made me want to write a novel like One Amazing Thing.
1: Well, and I know you've also, I think you were the president of uh, a helpline for South Asian women as well, so it it sounds like you've got a lot of experience (laughs) with that. So um, We actually have someone in the chat room on Blog Talk who's a fan of your poetry and is wanting to know if I would ask um, who some of your influences are as a poet.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that's a very good question. You know, I love so many different kinds of poets for so many different reasons. One of my favorites is the poet Wendell Berry. And I I love Wendell Berry because of the nature uh, writing that he does and his poetry about nature. He has a poem called The Peace of Wild Things, and I just absolutely love that poem. I think that's really influenced me not just as... A, a poet, but also as a fiction writer, and then on a very different um, on the other end of the spectrum, I love a poet like Anna Akhmatova, the Russian poet who wrote about, you know, the politics of Russia during, you know, during um, Stalin's regime. So I love her work, her activist work, her work um, which really brings. To light How the women suffered at that time.
1: Yeah! Wow! And those are two very different kinds of poets. <laughs> it's amazing. And then I have
0: people. to then I have okay. to say I love the poet uh, Robin Dunbar Jagore, who is the Bengali oh. poet now, widely translated, but just a wonderful, very spiritual, and yet very, you know, very in touch with the lives of the common people of the country.
1: Uh, yes, and I love his
0: stories too. I'm sure you're familiar.
1: With punishment. Um,
0: yes, just, he has some uh, wonderful, wonderful stories and poems and plays yeah. and novels. Mm-hmm. He was just yeah was just a amazing. Well, um, you've
1: you've mentioned community a few times, and um, I'd love to touch on that a little bit too. I, I noticed also in your novel, Mistress of Spices. That community is such a major factor in in what happens, and um, you know maybe you could just talk a little bit about what that's meant to your writing and, and what you feel community does for people in general. Because I know um, one things one of the things that I've observed in your writing is that the the sense of community does seem to be stronger in India in a lot of ways than it is in America, both in the families and outside of the families. So I was kind of wondering what your thoughts and observations are about that.
0: Well, Melissa, I think you are so right in that uh, community is really important in my novels, and you mentioned Mistress of Spices, and that's, uh, I think, a really good example to look at because... It's a different kind of community, right? It's not a traditional community which is formed out of, let's say, a family or an extended family or even people of the same um, cultural background. But this is a community that forms itself around a spice shop where the main character, Tilo, the mistress of spices, is able to use the magical powers of spices to help the people who come to her store and really very different kinds of people come there, people of different cultural backgrounds, different races. They come with very different kinds of problems. Uh, they're people of all ages. And yet it's her connection with them that forms them into a community. And it's it's the caring, it's the uh, reciprocal caring that creates the community. So I think in that book I was very interested in examining when we move from the, let's say, the city of our birth or the country of our birth and from our own culture into a very different place, can we still create community? And what is, why is it so important to create community? And I think the Mistress of Spices really explores those questions. And my my feeling is that community is very, very important it just gives us so much strength in times of trouble and so much joy when we have good news to share.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, Wonderful, wonderful answer. Um,
0: And if I may say one more thing, um, and that is kind of behind the whole idea of uh, the communities we formed by creating the Women's Helpline. And I was part of creating one in uh, the San Francisco area in California, and now I'm on the advisory board of DIA here in Houston, which is also a women's helpline and a women's service to help women who've suffered from uh, family violence or abuse of other kinds. Because, you know, the worst thing is when you're in a situation of distress and you have no one to turn to. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. when you feel so... So like low, you feel so alone, you feel like i can't I can't possibly make make it through this problem and sometimes just having people around you saying, "I'm listening to you, I understand you, I see what you're going through. let's try to work through this together can make all the difference, so I think wow. you know for everybody, but especially for people in situations of crisis a community is so so important
1: oh yes and you know it's just so true and I know everyone in the chat room is saying things like oh I knew I liked this woman and paying it forward and (laughs) there's wonderful things in there but I'm just I'm sure everyone is wondering where you find the time I mean (laughs) it seems like you're 15 different people (laughs)
0: Writing a book and hosting the hotline. Well, online. you know, yeah. balancing time is really difficult. I have to say that I have. <laughs> I'm very. I have to thank my family. I'm very blessed in having a supportive family, and they help me through things. And they're they're very understanding. And I get busy with other stuff, and you know, I have a messy house. What can I say? <laughs> I have a messy house. <laughs> we eat a lot of frozen dinners. <laughs>
1: Right, well, it's Things good like to that. be able to have a family that understands what's important. And <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, I, I, we're, I could just talk to you all day, but we're about to run out of time, so I'd love to just know um, what you're working on right now and also if, um, there's a website or a blog or something that you'd like to direct people to that uh, tells about things that are current with you and where they can kind of keep up with um, with what you're doing and writing and all of that. Sure,
0: sure. That would be lovely. I would love to continue the discussion. Uh, Melissa, as you know, I have a, a Facebook page, a Facebook author page, which I am just so happy about. We have almost 5,000 people on it and it's a really nice Literary and caring community. I think we discuss all kinds of important issues, including, but definitely not relate, not limited to my books. We we write about creativity. We we write about what we're reading. And I would love to um, invite everyone who's listening and who's in the chat room to this book. If you just um, do an internet search, uh, Chitra Devakaruni Facebook. This page will come up, and I invite all of you to it. I also have a blog, uh, chitradivakaruni.com. And my new book that I'm really excited about, and actually there's a lot about the new book already on the website and on my blog, which is titled Amazing Things, and also on Facebook. In fact, on Facebook, Melissa, as you probably know, I just put up the cover of uh, my new book that's coming out in March. Uh, Oleander Girl. So this is a novel that spans India and America. It's about a young woman who on the eve of her marriage discovers a family secret that impelled her to put off her marriage and come from uh, the city of Kolkata where, which is my own birth city to America on a search. And so this is about what happens to her in America, and what happens to her fiancé in India. And it's happening at a very crucial time in our history, which is 2002. So that's right after 9-11, and that's right during a huge set of riots, religious riots that were taking place in India. And so it's about living in that kind of complex, complicated, fractured world and trying to make sense of our lives and trying to... Uh, connect and build a community, and trying to yes. redefine family and love. So I'm very excited well, about it, and that will be out in March.
1: I can't wait to read that, and I'm I'm sure you've got a lot of people eagerly awaiting. And and I do want to second what you said about the Facebook page. It, it's wonderful, and it is its its own community as well. And. Um, I know when you were trying to decide between two covers you actually posted them both up there and got a lot of feedback from people. So uh that's no, really I got
0: more than a thousand fun. people responding. I was just <laughs> so grateful. I was just so wow. I felt so blessed. <laughs> wow, that's
1: just amazing. Well, it's just been absolutely wonderful to speak with you tonight. And um, thank you so much for your time. And I I hope that we have the opportunity to speak again another time.
0: Well, thank you very much, Melissa, for having me on your show.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Good night. Good night.